Today, I'm talking to Kendra Connolly with Sotheby's International Realty in Toronto. She's back for a second interview. If you listened to our episode 181 last week with Kendra, she and I talked about her humble beginnings to bartender to top real estate agent at Sotheby's International Realty, about removing your doubts and going for it. After that interview, when we stopped recording, we caught up a little more about going for it, about her obstacles, her struggles, being the very gift by which she found her way, how that's the opportunity that gave her happiness today and success. She shared a lot more about her childhood, about unthinkable childhood experiences and pain, from abandonment as a toddler to her, to her adopted father aiming a gun at her head and pulling the trigger. Not the self-imposed stuff that so many of us, or at least I can relate to. She shared with me how she overcame this and so much adversity. I asked her if we could talk online and share for so many that have pain in their lives. So many of us that have challenges that we really want to break through and overcome. She agreed. Today, here we are talking about overcoming unthinkable pain and making real breakthroughs. Thanks for listening to the Jerry Metcalf podcast, where top real estate agents tell how they do it. This podcast was created for real estate agents across the country to come together, sharing ideas to take your, their, and our business to the next level. All right, we're recording Jerry Metcalf podcast for top real estate agents tell how they do it. Everybody, last week, you listened to an interview with um, Kendra and I talking about her success and how she's become successful. Um, frankly, we don't have the title for it yet, but by now you do. Um, but after our conversation, we started talking about just, you know, sharing thoughts and life and the things that we really go through. And, um, you know, there are people who life happens and you kind of have a choice, you go up or down. And some of us have had, got, had really, really everybody's got a different story and Kendra has an especially unique, not unique to her to a lot of people that have tough backgrounds, but she's really got a story that a lot of people, most people don't come out of the way she has. That being said, Kendra, thank you for coming back and sharing with us a little bit about like really getting to the core of what digging deep and getting where you are now. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Like, again, let's review for those of you who haven't heard the last interview. Kendra is a top agent in Toronto. She's been in business for 17 years. She sells multi-million dollar properties. She's just on fire. She kind of accidentally is in the national championship for bodybuilding, which and if everybody watching can see that Karen's gorgeous. But if you can't, if you're not watching, she looks like she's 25, but she's not. Um, but Carrie, give us a little bit about just, well, first of all, hi and welcome. Thank you. Thanks. I'm, in, I'm in, happy to be back here. So we really should have just not stopped recording last interview because it really got good. But give us, I think this came, we started talking about, you know, it's, it's funny because today it's become hard to get political and I don't think there, I think it's good for us to all disagree, but we did start talking about it and just people and life and things going on and how there's a little, there's a lot of anger out there. And it feels like, at least if you listen to the media, 
it feels like a little bit of a victim. There's a lot of their victim things coming out. And that's where, that was me, everybody speaking. I'm not speaking for Kendra, but that's really what led us down this path of things we've overcome and how, you know, you can point and blame or embrace and empower. And you really spoke to me with your story. So give us a little bit about, you know, where do you want to start on this? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think just starting off with, you know, the conversation I feel just really got great as soon as we sort of started talking about coming from a place in our lives of either being a victim or taking responsibility and living your best life possible. And you can't live your best life possible uh, by being uh, in victim mode. And, yeah. um, you know, you can have excuses or you can have results, but you can't have both, right? So exactly. you really have to come out of victim mode to succeed in all aspects of your of your life. and. And that's kind of where I started to share, share with you that, you know, a lot of people would hear about my past and think I shouldn't be where I am, but it's because of my past that I am exactly where I am in my life. And that's just, you know, happy and successful and kind and high integrity and all that good stuff. And, um, I just have a hard time with people when they make excuses, uh, for their ill behavior or want to place blame somewhere else instead of taking responsibility and coming from a place of empowerment, like you just sort of said. So yeah. just to sort of give you a, a, a background, I'm adopted and um, I'm, I'm, I'm almost 50 and I still to this day do not know who my birth mother or my birth father is uh, or are if they're around any, any longer. And um, I have a lot of non-identifying information from my adoption file and was able to piece together quite a bit of information. So uh, my mother uh, is highly believed at this point in time that she was a prostitute. Um, she was definitely addicted to drugs. I, I came out, um, I was introduced to the world as a preemie and having some issues because of that. Um, and then she had me for two years, but it was obviously very tumultuous for her. She was in and out of jail. Uh, I actually came on the radar of the Children's Aid Society because she was sort of randomly leaving me at people's, ha like sometimes complete strangers' houses. So she would, she would wow. say she would be, be coming back and she wouldn't come back. And, and so, uh, do you I, remember, do you remember any of that? I don't remember any of it. It's information that I have in my file from the children's aid society, from the caseworkers. Wow. Um, and then interestingly enough, she had left me with an older couple one day and just didn't come back. And so I was two by that time and the children's aid stepped in and just said, okay, that's it. We're just going to have her become a ward of the children's aid. So. From the age of two to the age of four, I was in what looks like about 12 different foster homes. Um, when I was adopted at the age of four, I was still in diapers because, you know, back then, and I don't know how it is now, but, you know, foster homes were sort of sometimes overwhelmed and they didn't have the time to spend with a baby and toilet training and all that sort of stuff. So those sort of things got sort of left like put behind. And so, you know, I would find myself, yeah, like, you know, behind in, in those types of things. So I just wasn't getting the attention yeah. and I, I, you know, the love that I probably needed, at, especially at that age. 
Um, but now, do I you was, remember, because when do you start remembering things? Do you remember anything between the age of two and four? No. Wow. No. In my files, it's, it's interesting because you see that at the, like, even at the age of two and as I enter into the system, that um, I'm just this very happy, jovial, you know, baby. And you can see that as I go through the system that I start becoming difficult. I start having nightmares. Um, wow. You know, it's obviously just very tumultuous for me at that time. But I don't, I don't remember it. Um, and I'm okay to not remember it, to be yeah. honest with you. I think yeah. it's, it's fine. It is. It's part of my story. But I don't need yeah. to live it or anything like that. So, um and then I was adopted at the age of four, which is a little bit later than the norm. And, um, uh, you know, life, life was interesting. It was uh, my, to, just to put it in perspective, it wasn't until I was a lot older that I realized that the man that adopted me was actually a pedophile. And he... It's just, this keeps getting worse, by the way. It's just like, every time there seems to be a glimmer of hope, you're like, oh, your, your, your stepfather was a pedophile. Yeah, and I didn't even realize it until I was much older. Um, because A, I didn't necessarily know what that was, and then B, it wasn't... It, it wasn't really brought to my attention until I had a family member uh, who who was trying to commit suicide because my father had victimized her. So then it was really brought to the forefront of like what my father was. And then of course, when I look back on a, a lot of situations with my father, I realized that, yeah, he was 100%. There's no answer for buts about it. Um, I can, so he, so my, my mom at the age of, so I lived under my parents' roof from the age of four till I was, just about 13 maybe. And then my mom um, got me away from my father because she just felt that it was, she wasn't a hundred percent sure what was really going on. She didn't know what, what he was either at that point, but she also instinctively something was telling her she needed to get away. The other thing is, is that my, my, my father did the very typical sort of predatorial thing, which is an older man marrying a much younger women, woman and then moving her away from her home so that she's completely isolated so that he could victimize her in many ways. Now, just, to be, my yeah, just to be clear for you, so you, you weren't, at least to your knowledge, a victim, but you easily could have been. Yeah, so I, I, wasn't, yeah. I wasn't a victim physically, yeah, but I was a victim emotionally, yeah. mentally, and um, there were some, there, there, I do look back and when my parent, when my mom did finally get me away from my father, my father actually took off to Thailand. And um, I do remember as a 14 and 15 year old young girl going to Thailand to visit my father and my father um, uh, victimizing me in ways of like taking pictures of me. Mm -mm. So, right. um, well, tell us about, but go back to when, when you left, when your mom took you away, what happened? How did you get away? How did you get away? Uh, so my mom, you know, I sort of look back and realize that, you know, my mom sort of really, um, uh, risked her life and my life to try and get away from him. Um, she left at a time like she wouldn't she wouldn't even have dared thought about she had no money obviously we had no money but she 
there was there you know no such thing as getting police protection there was no such thing as going after him for child support um she just knew that that would just mean death for sure um so uh so there's uh, a story that happened i don't know if you could share it when you left that kind of really speaks to the level of the violence and just the craziness and uh so um yeah so he uh I remember when my parents were having these really hard discussions just before my mom left him. And I can remember I would get out of bed and I would creep to the top of the stairs and I would listen to them talking. And I can actually remember one night my father saying to my mother, if you leave me, I will kill you and I will kill Kendra. And, um, you know, it didn't scare, like, it didn't scare me for whatever reason at that time. I think you just go into denial, like, oh, my daddy would never do that to me. He loves me, you know, type of, type of thing. But, you know, I, I look back real and realize now just how serious he, he was. And, um, so my, we, my mom and had, we were in this like really dingy, gross basement apartment and it had a back door and a front door, thank God. And my father showed up one day and um, uh, I opened up the door and he was standing there with a a shotgun and he pointed it at me and it, it went off. And right at that moment, my mom grabbed me and we ran out the back uh, door and jumped in the car and thank god one of her friends lived very close by we drove to her house and i remember um running inside and then all of a sudden me and my mom and my mom's friend were on the living room floor in the middle of the floor all of the lights out all of the curtains drawn and my dad knew where we had gone and was kind of walking around the house and then he he finally left, I think, because at that point in time, it, you know, my mom's friend was involved. So he, he left. So he was very serious about wanting to hurt us physically and mentally and, and all that stuff. And that just as a, I've experienced that, but not anything like that. It's the pain that it, it, it's just, it's anybody listening who's been through anything like that, or you, you know, how did you, I mean, you were how old by then? 15, was it 15 or 14? I was about 14. So here from, from birth, you've kind of had the world. When I was born, I had parents telling me from day one, I love you. And I can give you some versions of it that weren't so great. Yeah. But at the end of the day, there was never a day that somebody wasn't taking care of me, coddling me, loving me through anything that was incurred was a result of bad decisions I made. And so I had the opportunity to recognize I need to take responsibility in your world. You're, how did you figure out you could, what, is there a moment? Is there a time where you said I'm better than this or you thought you weren't and you figured out you were, or how did you transform into the person you are today? Where did that, what did, when did that start? Um, Well, I sort of almost then from the age of 15 on, I've actually been on my own ever since. Um, 
so then, yeah, I've been on my own ever since. So I sort of, to be honest with you, having also then been on my own from the age of 15 on at a very young age, uh, I sort of look back and I sort of realize that I feel in some ways that I have sort of, ever since the day I was born, kind of been on my own and it was up to me to survive. Yeah. So I've always sort of had this strength in the in the in my in my spirit that has always sort of been uh it's up to you right it's up to you to deal with this situation and it's up to you how you want to come out of this situation and when i was younger i i used to think to myself you know i i used to go to bed at night and i used to think to myself my adult life is just going to be so amazing because the beginning has just been so hard and that's, that's what I used to tell myself. Um, that, there, there wasn't any real aha moment other than the fact, wow. you know, that. That's huge what you just said. Yeah. People yeah, say. Yeah, I just always said that. Tomorrow, what did you say? I always used to tell myself when I was younger, as long as I could remember that yeah. I would go to bed at night and say, my adult life, the next part of my life, my adult life is going to be so good because the beginning is just be, it's just yeah. so hard. So, but that right there, I think is so powerful because even today, so many of us, myself included, go to bed worrying about everything that's gone wrong. And, you know, you always say tomorrow starts today, the, you know, tomorrow starts the night before everything starts, whatever you go to bed sleeping, it ingrains it in you subconsciously mm-hmm. and somehow you had it in you to know that whatever this is now you were going to make it better you're think, you know you're going to bed thinking about what you focus on gets bigger and you were focusing on how great it was going to be and how great you were going to make it that's right a hundred percent I was around when I grew up I was around all kinds I mean I had a lot of unsuccessful people a lot, but I had a I was just had a lot of influence of different so I could see people make bad decisions and the results and see people make good decisions. And I was much more naive to the potential for evil. Like I never could even fathom at a young age, what you just told me. Like, I know just, it took me a long time to even like really realize you can love someone and they can still be capable of such horrible things. But you are the opposite. You started in a life where it was in your face. at such a young age and to still believe in love and to still believe in good things. Are there, you know, I'm kind of asking you the same question, but at what moment did you feel the momentum in your life of change? Or was it just, you know, cause, and how did you get out of the house at 15? What it may have had that, but go ahead. Uh, it was, it was always uh, in me to, always think that the, the, like I said, my, that my, the, the second part of my life or my adult life was just going to be really, really great. It was always just sort of ingrained in me that, and don't get me wrong. I mean, did I go through stages of my life where I was angry? Yes. Did I go through stages where I just blamed everybody? It was everybody's fault, but mine. Absolutely. Um, but I sort of realized maybe around the age of 27 that um, that blaming everybody else and being angry wasn't going to change anything. 
Yeah. It wasn't going to take away, like being angry was just being angry. It wasn't going to get better and it wasn't necessarily going to get worse. Um, it was just more along the lines of, uh, it's up to me, right? It's up to me to, you know, continue moving forward. And the other thing too, is that, um, a very wise man told me that at the end of the day, I could continue to stay angry at my parents or I could forgive. That doesn't mean it's okay what you did to me. It's more along the lines of like forgive because I can either forgive and move on or I can just be angry for the rest of my life. And I was really tired of being angry. Like I was for a while there, I was not a nice, like I was a pretty mean 20 year old female like I I do look back and think to myself jeepers how did some of my friends and stuff sort of really put up with me so I I did go through a very angry period and then at the age of 27 sort of after this gentleman said that to me I realized that it's time to forgive and move on yeah. and what 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 came with that by the way for me was something that was extremely important as I developed into a young adult and that was self-esteem and self-acceptance and looking and realizing that when you have low self-esteem and you don't have self-acceptance and you couple that with anger, um, that's a really exhausting way to be. And it's actually a very dangerous way to be. I think when I see people that just aren't comfortable in their own skin, we see them treat people, you know, uh, not necessarily the way that we want to be treated. And yeah. um and so I really embarked on a journey at the age of 27 to really get to a place of like full self-esteem and self-acceptance. And what came with that and what helped in that journey was also uh, like letting it go because it's not my fault. It wasn't my fault. Like a lot of adopted children live with abandonment issues and I'm not good enough issues. Um, and I, I carried that for a, a while until I realized that, no, it's not my fault. And her giving me up for adoption and me ending up in adoption was, was probably what was best for me at that time. Yeah. Um, and I read a book about adoption too, which helped as well. Yeah. Um, and what do, what do you think are your biggest in going through, you've already, if you could narrow it down to like, you know, because what you've been through, you're like, yeah, it happened and I just got through it. But I think the value in this is we all have challenges and the challenges you've been through are challenges that a lot of people don't push through very well. Mm -hmm. And what gave you, I mean, a lot of it is just tenacity, persistence, going to sleep, thinking my life is going to get better. And then when it didn't, you got angry. And then you realize the anger is not, being mad about it is not going to make it better. No. What do you feel like have been some of your biggest like life lessons? For me, I'll give you an example is I grew up with a very sweet family. Yes, every, a lot of people know about the hardships I've had, but they were pretty much self-imposed. Um, but at the end of the day, for me, it was people, no, most people don't think they're bad, even when they are, because I trusted people I shouldn't have. Now, and the other thing was that was, I still need to own what I allow into my life for you, you saw evil early on, um, like in your face, there was no question that that's what it was. What were your lessons that you've learned and your messages in life that you carry with you even today? 
that at the at the at, at the end of the day, the only person that you can that you can rely on for your mental health is you. Yeah. It's 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 you know, I something that was really profound for me, I think, was uh uh your power is in the precise moment. That was huge for me. Power is in the precise mm. moment, meaning when it's when it rains and you look outside and you go, oh God, it's raining. We're supposed to go out today. I don't want to go, whatever, and it's not in the other. Or you can look at it and go, it's raining. I could go jump in a mud puddle today. I could have fun. I could, who cares if my hair gets wet? Who, like, it's not really that, like, does it really matter? You know? Yeah. So, powers in the precise moment was huge for me it's every moment you have the power to think whatever you want and i personally love that i mean that is that is so powerful in itself that at every minute i have the power to think whatever i want the other thing that i sort of whether this answers your question or not yeah this is this is great this is this for me it's um I always think to myself, in every situation that I'm in, I guess because of the way that I've always thought about like, hey, the future is gonna be so great, it's gonna be, it's gonna be okay, it's gonna be fine. Whatever situation I'm in, at the end of the day, when I look back on that situation, first of all, in the moment it seems like on a scale of one to 10, it's a 12, right? And then right. six months or six years later, you look back on it and it's probably a two, right? And yeah. The only thing that you have in the future when you look back on that situation is how you handled yourself. It doesn't matter what somebody said about you. It doesn't matter what they think about you. It doesn't matter who did what. At the end of the day, how you handled yourself in that situation is what you have to live with and what you've got to hold on to. So I always want to make sure that whatever situation I'm in, that I can look back on that and be proud and okay and completely accepting of how I handled the situation. Well, that reminds me of, so earlier today, I'm actually going to Google it, everybody, because I have to. I'm going to read it because it's exactly what you said. Um, I was in a house and I ran across, I don't think Mother Teresa was actually the first one to say it, but she gets credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was on the quote in the house and I literally even just took a picture of it, but it said, I'm going to read this. If you were kind people, this is just to what you said. People are often unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you were kind, people may accuse you of selfish ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you're successful, you will win some false friends and some true enemies. Succeed anyway. If you're honest and frank, people may cheat you. Be honest and frank anyway. When you spend your years building, someone could destroy overnight. Build anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, serenity and happiness, they may be, may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today, people will often forget tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the world the best you have, and it may never be enough. Give the world the best you've got anyway. You see, in the final analysis, it's, it's between, it was never between you and them anyway. So yeah. it's not between you and them. It's not about that. It's, it's, 
to your point, it really made me think about that. And I ran into it. And I think lately, like in our world, it's not between you and them anyway. Yeah. And the best way that we can work together and get places is not through anger. I mean, that lesson you gave is just so huge. Um, I'm a, I'm a, also, I'm also a believer of when somebody, when somebody strikes out at you and I, I see that happening a lot right now because people are stressed and people are worried and people are scared and there's anxiety and I get it. I get it a hundred percent. But you know, you can walk out the door and all of a sudden just somebody just is mean to you for no reason. And I just have to always remind myself, you know, like, like I literally walked out the door last week and I hadn't even, you know, and I'm kind of like, you know, skipping down the street, low, low in my little bubble. Right. This woman just came out of nowhere and was very mean to me, like rude out of, for no strange reason. Yeah. And at first I just went like that, why, I didn't do anything. Like, why, why do you have to be mean to me? Like whatever. And then I quickly turned around and thought, you know what? It may hurt me for that short period of time, but it's killing her inside. Yeah right? She is the one that is carrying that anger and that anxiety and, and, and acting that way. And that is just killing her inside. So it may initially hurt me very quickly for a short period of time, but that's, I mean, I feel bad for her that she's, that she's feeling that way and that she's acting this way. Cause it just means it must be exhausting and just so awful right now for her. And I actually feel bad. Right. What's kind of like in our, it, it, it's in our business. And I think it's the big difference between, you know, we're talking about the world today and this is really a show for real estate agents, but it's incredibly relevant. The world today affects our business, but in our business, the really good agents realize at the end of the day, it's not, it's, it's, it's about protecting people and doing the right thing. It's not about fighting it out. And in today it's people have begun to see the issue the problem is the people, the problems and issues and situations are situations. They're not people like no matter what people do, it's not between you and them anyway. And at the end of the day, they're people. We can't hate people. We cannot like how they behave. We cannot like even what we think their values are, but that doesn't mean, like you said, you had to let it go with your parents. It was easy to be mad at them. But at the end of the day, what did that fix? It didn't, it doesn't serve anybody. We can hate what's happening. We can hate, you know, there's a lot of controversy about values. We can hate values, but let's just not hate people. Yeah. That's all like, I remember one day somebody said to me, I've said this before recently, but the great thing about like, you know, we were talking about this America is we can all agree to disagree and we can all realize by the way, that none of us are all right. None of us are 100% correct, which is why I love this show because I can learn every day more and more from listening to other agents and how they've done it. And in life too. I think, so, I, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm very, I, I think I come across and one of the reasons again, sort of to my success is that I accept everybody for who they are and what, what their values are and, yeah. and, 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 and whether I agree or not, it doesn't really matter. Like it's, I, I actually get very curious. Like, so for an example, I yeah. was dealing with uh, sellers and I was interviewing for the position. They were interviewing a lot of different agents. And one of the things that they said to me was, we do not do business from Friday at sundown to Saturday at sundown. So do not contact us. 
We will not be looking at offers. We will not be dealing with contractors. That's great. No Bring business. it on. Yeah. And I instantly was like, what, what, what religion is that? Like, what is that all about? Like, but I come from a place right. of curiosity. It's, it's, it's not like, well, what is that? That's weird. Like, it's like, oh, that's cool. Like, yeah. what, what is that? Right. And then it's like, they told me what it was. And I was like, oh, I never heard of that. No, like, that's really cool. Like, whatever. So I think that people can see that I'm just accepting, like, it's, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Everybody's allowed to think and do and whatever it is that they please, whether we agree with it or not. And, and another thing for me is like, what I, uh, helps me a lot too, especially by the way, in business is, uh, especially with like, if you're, you know, you're competing like these other colleagues, like not your immediate colleagues, we should always be really nice right. to all of our colleagues and stuff. Yeah. But, um, what other people think about me is none of my business. Right. Yeah. Like, and then we've only got so much time in the day. Right. Like, and I don't mean yeah. that in a, like, if you don't like me, that's your problem. No, I just mean like what you think about me is really none of my business. What matters is what I think about myself and how I conduct myself. Take, well, take care of your character. You know, I recently changed companies. As everybody knows we won't go into too much detail, but a lot of people said, what are people going to think? And I said, at the end of the day, that doesn't matter. What is right by me, my clients, my team, that's what matters. And at the end of the day, I've got to do what's right and everything else is going to take care of itself. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, it, and what everybody thinks is like you said, it's not, I think I've only got so much time anyway. Right. So yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. But that's an everything or with clients. They'll say, well, what are people going to think? I'm like, even my dad told me a long time ago, he said, you know, Jerry, people will think that for a few minutes and they'll forget because they've got enough to worry about. So that's, that's right. a good point. That's a really good point. Thanks for like really, like don't worry about it because they're not they're not gonna worry about it for long. That's right. Uh, in a good way, I think we all love and whatever you give the world is what you get back. And you didn't, you know, but in the beginning, the world didn't give you much good in your life, and you could still see past that and and flourish from that, which is incredible. Yeah. Um. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say honestly. It's, it, when I, when I hear other people's stories and, and I think all of us have stories and all of us have moments in our lives when, in as you know, in our younger lives where something bad happened or somebody was really awful to us or, or whatever. And, you know, I just always say, I'm sorry that that happened to you. Right. I am. Yeah. We don't, we don't want things like that to happen to people, no. but it's not happening anymore. Right. Yeah. And so you have, you know, you can, you can move forward from it. Don't let it debilitate you. Don't let it rule your life. Like, ru like rule like how you are, how you act or how you see things because you, you have the power to think whatever you want. Right. And so you can look out at the sky and think, Oh my God, like, look at that puffy cloud. It looks like a snowman yeah. or you can look for the rain clouds. Right. Well, and, and in all of this, it's funny because it makes me think, I think, is it Jim Rohn? Jim Rohn has a quote that says, if you're looking to get, I wish I could, I shouldn't even Google this quote, everybody, but I think it's Jim Rohn. And he says, if you're looking to get to the next level, you've got to take it a notch deeper, like, or you've got to grow as a person. I never Google quotes on the shows, but today's a little bit of a different show anyway. Um, but it's a great quote that's to the point of our interview. Um, Okay, 
well, it's not in here, but anyway, we get the gist of it. It's if you want to be more successful, if you want to get someplace, it's, you've got to work on the, it's being a better person. There's only so much, like I remember in struggles in my life, there was one day and I said, you know what? There's all kinds of things going on in my world. I had no money, maxed out credit card, a terrible situation in another country. And I was like, I just kept going. The only way anything outside of my world is going to change is when I change what's in here, in my heart, everybody who's listening, what's inside me, what's inside between my ears and my heart. Until I start making different decisions, looking at myself, nothing outside me will change because it was such a disaster, at least to me. Like you said, it was a 12 then, it's a two now. But at the time it was like, really, like, how am I going to get out of this? And I just said, forget the world, just what did, what, what in me, everything outside of me is because of what's in me and changing what's in me. And literally within a couple of years, I was a top agent in a real estate office, Mm -hmm. my first real estate office, because I got down and just focused on, you know, not to be cynical, but executing. And then as time goes by, I find we're more and more successful, not just based on how many cold calls or how many of this or how many of that can I do, but the biggest value, I tell my kids this all the time, hey, your value comes in how you handle problems. Right. There's so like, you can't be mad about problems because problems are opportunities and value comes in like as realtors. That's why we continue to be the industry that we are despite technology is because all of the problems that arise. And that's, I think why this interview is really important today is going, okay, like let's dig deep and look at like what is going on and how do we dig deep and find, you know, problems or opportunities be able to solve problems. And the best way to be able to solve problems is dig deep and, and develop further as a human being. And to that, I'll say one more thing. And then I want to know your thoughts on this, but you were talking about, I think a lot of your peace and success comes, like you said, in the beginning of this interview from what you've been through mm-hmm. and overcoming that. Um, everybody, Wayne Dyer, you heard of, you've probably heard of Wayne, do you ever heard of Wayne Dyer? He wrote the part. So one of my favorite things he said um, one of his first, it's not even a, it's not even a book. It's a speech. He says, never take away from your children, which nobody gave you this to take it away, but never take away from your children, the privilege to struggle. A hundred percent. Absolutely. People say to me all their time, they're like, if you could change one thing in your past, what would you change? I wouldn't change a single thing because it's made me who I am. And I love who I am. I love that I've overcome this and you know we we get dealt we 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 all get dealt difficult times and difficult things and and it 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 should never stop you from accomplishing or getting what you want i i i remember um when i was uh maybe in my early 20s and of course obviously coming from the background that i came from i i didn't get to go to university i didn't get to i didn't finish high school i didn't get to you know, uh, go to college or, or, or all those things. And, and I remember there was an article in the newspaper that uh, one of the universities here in the city was doing a, starting a program for mediation. And I remember my mom called me and I was, I was, uh, I was, I was bartending then. And my mom said, you would be great as a mediator. Like you, you're a bartender, you're a mediator. That's all you do. You listen to people's problems and you fix them and whatever. And I was like, oh, that sounds, yeah, I think I could do that. Yeah, let me, you know, whatever. And then of course I, I find the article and you, you literally had to have like 
a BA and, you know, have been through to college and university before. And I obviously had none of that and doesn't going to stop me. And I was literally rollerblading down the street and I called the director of the program and I was like, well, I don't have what the prerequisites are, but I just, you tell me, what do I need to do in order to get there? And she, I think she was taken back by me. And she said, well, awesome. uh, you know, we can make exceptions. Why don't, why didn't you write a letter to the, to the director? There's three of us and we'll review it and we'll, we'll get back to you. And I was like, okay. So I turned around on my rollerblades and I went home and I sat down and I wrote a letter about why I wanted to be in this program. And I was accepted the next day. What and, an awesome story. Yeah. And I, rem I remember being in the course room in this auditorium of this university the very, very first day. And there was like, uh, the, the professor said, okay, every, there was 90 of us. And he said, okay, everybody just quickly, you know, stand up, introduce yourself. And what is your occupation? And everybody was like, oh I'm so-and-so, I'm a doctor. I'm so-and-so, I'm a lawyer, I'm a CEO. I'm, you know, 35 years in the education department. And they get to me and I'm like, I'm Kendra, I'm a bartender. And everybody, awesome. wanted, to, everybody wanted to be my friend. And yeah. Even, even though I had never finished school, I, I got a B in the first semester and then I finished with A's the rest of the time. So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't, I also don't like, it doesn't matter what people like society puts on you and says, you can't do this or you're not good enough or whatever. That's not true. That's not true. I love that story. Right. Yeah. It's um, all in the land. You decided whether you decided. I wanted to do it. You, what, you, didn't, you didn't refuse to see the opportunity. Yeah, you're going to tell me no. Most people would have read that and thrown it away or worried about getting Oh, I don't have the prerequisites. Okay, right. I'm not, no, that's not yeah. it. <laughs> that's so awesome. So doing that class, like, what did you get out? Did you, was it, was it a class? Did you get a lot for real estate out of it or where did that go? Well, I, I did work through? as a mediator for yeah. a while. Um, I, it wasn't, it wasn't really, I, I, I was, I was meant to be a real estate agent, so I didn't stay in it for very long. Um, but, but doing that course and, uh, it, 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 there was a, there was a couple of things. It was never assume that because you're in a room with all of these, you know, scholared people and so on that you're yeah. either that you don't belong there or that you won't be accepted because not only did I belong there, I mean, I ended up applying myself and, and finishing the course with just straight A's, but uh, everybody wanted to be my friend. Yeah. You know why? Because I was real. Yeah. I was, I was real. And I, and, and I sometimes find in real estate, and I've done this a few times, I have found that, you know, you get into this, like you have to drive this car and you have to act like you're so successful and you have yeah. to pretend you've got so much business and, and this, that, yeah. and the other. And I don't do that. I mean, there are times, you know, I don't know your experience, Jerry, but I will tell you in my experience here in Toronto over the last 17 years, I can remember falling at the beginning into this sort of uh, category where agents, you know, you see agents and it's like, Hey, how are you? And you're automatically like, I'm good. I'm busy. Right. I'm good. I'm busy because you could never ever say that you're not busy. Like, Oh my God, that would just mean you're a failure or whatever. And I remember I used to, I used to do that. And then I got to the point where I was like, but I'm not like, there are times when I'm not busy and how about just yeah. being real. And so I remember Isn't it nice to be not busy. 
Right. And I, well, which isn't going on right now, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is true. And I remember just on the street one day, I was on the corner and I bumped into another real estate agent and it was like, Hey, how are you? And I was like, good. And it's like busy. You know, I was like, no. And then, and I remember her looking at me and she was like, oh, me neither. And it, I was like, Oh, like she was relieved. Right, yeah. Conversation. Yeah. And that, I take that overflows with my confidence, like with my clients and they yeah. see that I'm real. Right. Well, who wants, you know, it's, it's, and that's funny you say that because I remember I heard somebody say one time there are deadlines and people and people are more important. Sometimes that I would make people more important, but, but if you've got a deadline or a person focus on the person because yeah, we're busy or not busy or whatever we are, but busy or not, like people are what's important. Relationships are what's important and yeah. finding a way to really like never forget that in this business. And I think I love technology, but let, you know, for whatever it's worth back to that, like we weren't even talking about that, but it makes me think about the, all the advantages we have of technology that they're empowering us. I think a lot of people thought that we were going to use it to get around people, but as realtors, that's our value yeah. is we're using it. If you use it to engage more, there's so much power that I have to really utilize it. The original mindset was use it to not have to spend so much time with people. Now I use it. So all of these things can happen. So I do get time with people. Yeah. And let's see what we can do. So our clients don't feel like we're busy. When my clients say, I know you're busy. I'm like, Oh God, yeah. don't, don't, don't say that. Don't say that. Like, that's not what I want to hear. Yeah. I want you to believe that you're my only client. That's right. And, and that's what makes priority. us busy. Right. Because they yeah. are our priority. That's right. And they that's should right. be. Yeah. Everybody be. needs to feel like they're a priority, whether it's a multi-million dollar listing or whether it's a lead. Yeah. Right. Okay. We're going to talk a little bit about your book to close out today. My book. We're not going to name it. Your book. Can we talk about your book? Oh, that book. How do yeah. we even say the name? Cause it's so inappropriate. We might get like, some people may not even listen to us if they see the book, but it's a great book. What was the name of it? Well, the P word, let's just say the P word, everybody. What was the name of the book? You want me to say it? i oh, just say it. Pussy reclamation. Pussy reclamation. Yeah. Oh, I mean, oh. but that's the point of the book. But the book, the point of the book, I think is empowering. That's right. And empower, be as, as a woman, like we didn't get much into, but I'm all about like no victim. This is where we get started on everybody. She told me the book after the interview. When you, if you listen to the last interview, she quote, doesn't have a book. And you'll notice how she pauses. And then I realize after because she's thinking the book and she doesn't know she should say it. And then that led us down this, I wouldn't call it a rabbit hole because rabbit holes usually have a negative connotation. This amazing, beautiful conversation about life and what you've been through, but it all came down to claiming your power. That's right. As, as, as females claiming, claiming our power. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And none of this victim nonsense because my favorite quote is any woman who aspires to be equal with man lacks ambition. <laughs> I love that. So any more comments? What was your, actually here's, what was your biggest takeaway from that book? What drew you to it? To Was it P Pussy Reclamate? What is the name Pussy. of the book? Yeah, it's- It's uh, like such a foul, that has become such a foul word, by the way. And it's not. And, and it's, it's not. not. That's it's the not. point of the book, everybody. That's right. So what was your biggest message from that book? Uh, the biggest message I got, well, the biggest thing I got out of that book was that just how, 
uh, as women, we grow up from a very young age playing small and not even realizing the small, like the, the, the tiny, the tiniest things, the gestures, the comments that are made to us as we're growing up that you think is just nonchalant and how over time that will cause you to play small in your life. And I realized that even as a woman who is very confident and, you know, grabs the world by the horns and goes for it, that I, in some areas of my life and in some ways was playing small because of growing up in a very male dominated world. So, um, what do you think? Because it's funny you say that and I think, huh? Yeah, you're right. And I do, I would say, I do find I undermine myself way too often for fear of being too arrogant or being too abrasive, mm -hmm. more abrasive one than what people might expect or find acceptable. Because of me, I, I always want to, I'm a fighter in the sense of, I know that if I really like go at you, you're just going to shut down. So if I go at you, watch out. Cause I don't care if you shut down. Yeah. But on the flip side of that, as a result of that, sometimes I acquiesce often I acquiesce where I should not. I think that is a little bit of it, but back to the message in that for you, do you have an example of something you did in the before and the after on how that empowered you, that book? Of like how I thought before and now how yeah. I Yeah, or things you did or decisions you made, playing bigger, well, how most, do you play bigger now? Yeah, well the most, so there's, there's two things uh, that I think are extremely powerful. Number one is, you know, I'm just going to say the word pussy, right? So when it's just, we're just going to say pussy, everybody, if you get offended, yeah. it's with the best, but that, that the point it's is with the best intentions. And the point is that the point is that's the point that people have found the word so offensive when it really shouldn't be. Keep going. Right. Because, and it'll make, it'll, it'll make sense in, 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 in a second. So when you want to insult somebody, you use that word. Right? right. And you use that word to make that person weak, right? Or smaller than you, right? You, we want to insult somebody. We say, why, why, why are you so scared? Why are you acting like a pussy? Right. But that actually, if you think about it, does not make sense because that part of our body is the most powerful thing on earth because it actually creates <laughs> life. Right. And I personally, between you and I don't know anything more powerful than, I don't know, creating life yeah so when you're insulting somebody and you're calling them that it doesn't make sense because it's actually the opposite you're calling them the most powerful thing in the in this world right creates life so i very quickly got that and then would would hear people say it and then i was just like no no no, no that doesn't make sense and that's awesome. Paradigm was, shift. Yeah, yeah. There was a couple of times where like, for an example, I, I found myself saying it sometimes and it was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. How quick I am to just say that, like put that in that context of making. So what are you telling yourself? Yeah, yeah. Making again, taking my body and making it weak, associating my feminine, my, my, my feminism with something that is weak or that what's feminine. Which is far weak. from it. Right. right. Exactly. Right. So that's, that's, probably one of the biggest things that I got out of it. And then the, the other thing I got out of it was bragging. Like 
guys, they get together and they brag and they're like, God, I you are this so right. And I, you know, did this or I bought a sports car or I got this or I got that. And God, you know, so we, right. don't, we don't do that. We're not allowed to do that. If we, if we, if we brag, we're, we're like, oh, like who does she think she is? And well, listen to her. She thinks she's all that. And it's not the God, other. You're so right. Yeah. Right. And it's, and it's, it's, it's frowned upon. And that's really sad because why can't we brag about ourselves? Yeah. Like, why can't I just say like, you know what? I'd be, I like a hundred percent. I, I would hide, I would hide the fact that the age of 48, I decided to take up bodybuilding and competed and kicked ass. And not like you got to the national finals without trying, by the way, except show everybody the water you're drinking. Guys, how many liters? Oh, it's like a gallon. It's how much? Two, two liters. Which is what? What is two liters? I don't know. I have a lot. It's huge, everybody. It's a lot. It yeah, like, like, you can see the size like, of my hands compared to. Yeah, yeah. it's like got to be half a gallon at least. So you're drinking three of those a day? I drink, no, not, no, I, I drink about one and a half. I can okay. drink two sometimes, but, the, but when I get closer to a competition, I have to drink three of those a day. God. Yeah. Right. So, oh, that's awesome. but, why, but that's the thing. Like, why can't, why can't I, why, why, why can't I just say, not only did I go into a bikini fitness competition at the age of 48, but I actually got on stage with 25 other women that were 35 years old and I took a medal home. And there's times when it's like, I feel like That's I can't awesome. say that, but we sh I should be allowed to say that. Yeah. I should be able to, to brag. Well, and you know, what's interesting and is that I think when we say that we are afraid we're hurting our friends feelings or where, which I didn't win a competition like that. Everybody. I mean, I work out and all, but <laughs> I'm proud of the way I look too, but not like that. Like, but and I, that's all again to the topic of it being empowered and being proud of being beautiful and being proud of taking care of yourself and being proud of making a lot of money. Or I just, right. bought, a new, I just bought a new Porsche, everybody, but I've kind of been like, oh, but just so you know, it's not as expensive as the last Porsche, which kind of sounds worse because who cares? Like, just there be you proud. go, see? And it's so pretty. It's so pretty, by the way, but I have to like make sure everybody knows it's not as expensive as the last one because so I can not look like I'm bragging too much. Right. But why don't I just yeah. shut up and enjoy my beautiful Porsche I just got because it is gorgeous. Right. And then, but, but that's right. the thing. Do you, right? think, yeah. do you think our husbands would like, they'd be like, oh, I got a new Porsche. Oh, you got to come check this out. Yeah. And then they would be out looking at it. Right. What's that? Like, what is that? Like, how did that even happen? And I, these women I, should celebrate that. I have found myself talking with women about my success that aren't, you know, in my, if they're in my industry, I do think it's a little bit different and kind of like realizing, like, I accidentally put a wall between me and them that I didn't mean to put up. I, I thought I was bonding and sharing what I'm excited about. And I kind of got a little bit of a, well, who do you think you are? Right. And it almost like saddens me. And then I find myself subconsciously just not engaging. No, you, you're subconsciously yeah. now playing small. So that well, you yeah. can, right. No, yeah. we can't do that because where else do we then do that in the rest of our lives? So what's the solution? Well, we have to just let women know it's okay. And then I actually make women, like I'll make women brag around me. Like I do do that. I'll be like, give me a brag. I want to hear it. Give me a brag, right? Yeah. So besides your Porsche, give me a brag. I, I want to hear it. Yep. 
Oh, I don't, I don't see. Yeah. You like, caught me off guard. Totally. Totally off guard. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, you gotta, I'm, I'm interviewing you. See everybody, see me freeze up. I'm even like touching my shoulder, even my neck. Cause I'm feeling vulnerable about showing off. So really like I am right now, like I subconsciously like turn it off when That's you say right. that. But I, I, I'm serious though. I want I you to give me it. a brag. Give you a brag? Yeah. Um, it could be about anything. Here's a, this is silly. This is business, but we're the holiday house this year in Atlanta. Very excited about that. One of our listings. We are now the exclusive realtors for Buckhaven Magazine. Very excited about that too. That's amazing. Mm. Do you know how many, I would kill for an opportunity like that. That is right. amazing. Right. Congratulations. Well, I'm a little bit kind of like, wait, wh where's your brag? Besides the fact that you're a national competitor at 48 years old for like, was I supposed to say your age? I think you said it. You that was it okay. I already said it. I don't, I, I don't care. Said it. We're yeah. not going to let Rokon edit it out because if everybody's watching this, you're going to be like, not what? No, you say that again because that number was off. You know, 28 <laughs> or 18. Yeah, she said 38. No. Um, I, another brag. I could do another brag. Oh, I brag that um, uh, I brag that I uh, just bought another property. Oh. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, I bought, I just, a, I I bought a beach house. No, no, no. Now I want to up you. I'm ready to up you, but keep going. Okay, good. This is what we should do. I bought a beach house in Rosemary this summer, everybody. Oh my God. And I don't even bring that up to people because I'm like, oh my God, they'll think I'm such a off, but I just bought a beach See? house in no. Rosemary Beach, like, like one of the most expensive, the second most expensive beach on 30A this summer. So, so that, that just means but, that uh, just so you know, um, I'm coming to that beach house. You have to, because I bragged about it to you. Absolutely yeah, better. Exactly. <laughs> it's a long flight for you, but come on. I will come as soon as- Are the borders can. shut down with Canada or not? I don't even know. Yeah. yeah. They are? Down, so, we can't yeah. go either way? Okay. That's all right. They'll open yeah. up eventually. They better open up eventually. At some point- Hello, water I'm drinking now. I'm nervous from all this bragging. <laughs> That's a real brag. Like, that was one, That one's one I find myself excited to share. And I yeah. literally- I'm so embarrassed, but I literally might mm, I'm not gonna talk about that. But you see, but that that's yeah. my point. Like that yeah. was that was huge for me, right? Of 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 So tell us about your property. Go back to your bragging. Oh gosh, I love it. It is outside of the city. It is um a a a, a, a nice big piece of property. Uh well, okay, so here's here's what I love about it. I love the fact that the back gate opens up into this massive five mile forest, which then also backs onto wow. this very famous renowned uh, golf course here in, the, here in the city. You're such a show off. Uh, but what I really love about it- <laughs> That's is awesome. That, uh, it's got two car garage. And so one side of the garage is for my car currently. But the I said to my husband, are you planning on parking in the garage? And he was like, I don't know. I go, I like, it, you don't really need to. Right. And he was like, no. And I was like, good, because <laughs> I'm going to put great. a 1972 classic red cherry red stingray in the other side. In within oh, the, next, the time I turn 50, there's going to be a classic car in that garage. So I'm excited. So like, not only did I get this really lovely property uh, outside of the city, but I'm, I'm putting a classic car in it. 
And here's what I love that to hear you talk about that and get excited. I'm so excited for you. And it's so empowering because like minds are attracted to one another. And when I'm hesitating to get excited about my beach house in Rosemary and you're hesitating to get excited about the property that you just bought, then we don't share. We don't get to like, remember what you said when I was younger, I used to think about how great my life was going to be. When we're doing that, we're thinking about not only how great our life is, but how great it's going to continue to be. And we're taking that away from ourselves and one another. Yes, absolutely. We don't do that. And if we could just help everybody else just shamelessly be proud and happy for what we have and help everybody else do the same. Yeah. And, and I think that if, if one, if, if, if I, if, if we, when we end this interview and people listen to it at the end of the interview, I would be so happy if the women out there listening to the interview said one brag, even if they said it to themselves out loud, driving in the car, wherever it is that they are, if they just did one brag at the end of this interview, I would be super happy. Wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. They need to share it. We need to That's know right. their brags. That's right. I love it. Should we end it with that? We've been yeah, going for an hour, I think. Right? That was awesome. Okay. Here's the last thing though. I guess okay. I've done every interview with us. If there's one thing that we want everybody to take away from this interview, what does that need to be? Or conversation? whatever we want to call it. Uh, oh gosh, there's a couple. Good. Get <laughs> That's so us. funny because the last How about interview, three? at the last interview I had none. Um, so uh, if you, if you continue to play victim and, 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 and stay victim to your past, then your future becomes your past. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second thing would be, if you, if you don't let anybody stop you from doing what it is that you wanted to do, I never would have realized that, you know, not, not being able to finish high school because of my situation that in my twenties, that I would be in university getting straight A's, uh, even though I didn't even qualify to be there. And in the you end, you saw I, opportunity, not problems, by the way, you saw opportunity. That's right. See opportunity. Exactly. That's yeah. right. So, you know, don't, don't let things stop you. If you want it, there's a way to get it. You just have to figure it out. Right. Don't assume that you don't, you don't, don't assume that you can't get there. Um, and then the, the last thing I would leave is, um, don't play small. It, don't, don't do it. It's so unfair. It's so unfair to you. It's yeah. unfair to your friends. It's unfair to your kids, your spouse, everybody around you. If you play small, you're just being really unfair to everybody. Go big. To everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Don't play small. Don't play small. What, 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 who, what is that serving? Exactly. Nobody. What is that serving? Yeah. Like, <laughs> nobody. Exactly. Awesome. Kendra, you rock. Thank you. That was Thank such you. a fun interview. <laughs>